Okay, let me do a survey here. Who would have liked to have been the person that wrote that song? Raise your hand. I set you up. How many know how I set those folks up that raised their hand? Does anybody know how I set them up? You know, that song was written in a ship in the ocean over the place where his wife and children drowned in a ship. And he wrote, It is well with my soul. That's tough, isn't it? That's big, that's big cheese right there. Now, you, you, you don't just get that. Uh, the very spot. Exactly. So if you want to be where it's well with your soul, you can kind of guarantee you've got to go through a lot of pain and suffering. And uh, so that's tough. That's tough. We, you know, we, we, uh, we spit the bit out. Sometimes we spit the bit out over the least of things, don't we? And uh, so you've got to get beyond that and get into the depths of the sea to really get the concept. Let's look at uh, John 14 today. I bet you a lot of you don't know what weekend it is on the Jewish calendar. Does anybody know what weekend it is on the Jewish calendar? Man, I am freezing. Is anybody else cold? I am freezing. Today. Man, I'm going to say my soul ain't cold, but my body is. Man. I used to, when I was younger, I, how many remember when I had them turn it down, man, turn it down? Anybody remember those days? Man, I'm beyond that now. I take blood pressure medicine. Whew, I get cold. Oh, oh yeah, it is. This, is. this is a big date on the Jewish calendar. And I've, I've snuck up on you prophecy freaks, too. So this is the last day of Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, okay, so... The, the last day of Rosh Hashanah, and Rosh Hashanah is a Jewish feast day, a feast week, and uh, they celebrate the rapture. They, they don't realize it, but they're, they're, they're celebrating the coming of the Messiah, uh, and, and Jesus is the Messiah. They don't even realize that, the ones that are in charge. It's also known as the Feast of Trumpets, right? The Feast of Trumpets. So in that theme, I, I felt convicted today to go to the theme of the coming of Christ, and I need to remind us of that, and there's some things about that that you may not think about that I want to put more emphasis on. But in John 14, we have the first time the Lord is telling uh, that he's coming again uh, to his disciples before he leaves. So, you know, he said in general, the second coming, he said it in general, but he says specifically here in the text, and he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Get it? I go to prepare a place for you. And so that's the first revelation there. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you had known me, you shall have known my Father also, and from henceforth you shall know him and have seen him. Now, we've got to get this. We, we've got a, we got a Christian era here in, in chapter 14. Uh, there was no Christian era in the Old Testament time, or at least it wasn't revealed yet, okay? It was, it was going to happen, but it wasn't revealed and everything Jesus had taught 
on, on the second coming uh, that we see as the second coming was interpreted in a Jewish fashion by the disciples. They were taught the Jewish calendar. They would have known, they would have said, oh, well, preacher, the day is Rosh Hashanah. That's this weekend. And they would have known all that. But see, if you really look at the Scripture close, Jesus is talking about the church age. He's talking about the Christians that are being called out. And it's specifically to us and to them. And that's what this is written about. And so this is the revelation of the rapture of the church. The church age is, is concealed in this text. Do, do you see it? Now what we need to understand, this is the promise that he's coming again. That it, this, this is the reality to them, to those Christians, and to us that follow their, their, their example and, and have believed as they have reported. He's speaking to us. Now if we look back at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, if we go to Revelation chapter 22, it says he's coming. He's coming. In the Old Testament, he's coming. The Gospels, he has come. And then the, the letters to the churches, he's coming again. That's what the promise is. He's coming again. Jesus is coming again, and he'll be here on schedule. It wouldn't surprise me if he don't come today. This is be a great day. This is the day we celebrate his second, his, not his second coming, but his, his rapture is calling up. The trumpet shall sound. This is not the actual second coming and when we think about touchdown, but this is the day we celebrate the rapture of the church. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus come today? And if you can't say that, well, we need to get to where we can say that, don't we? We need to get to that place where we can say, he said, notice the promise, I will come again and receive you. I will come again and receive you. Right there in the text, 300 prophecies in the Old Testament uh, that Jesus would come the first time, or the Messiah would come the first time. He kept every one of those, over 300. He's going to keep his promise out of his own mouth, isn't he? He said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. See, we are the bride of Christ. We, the Christians, in this age, we are the bride of Christ. There's never been a bride before the, uh, th this day. We are the bride of himself. Israel is uh, the, the wife of the father. And, and they are divorced, aren't they? Right? They are divorced. And Hosea, look at Hosea. And then we are the bride of Christ, Jesus, second person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? He lives in us. So we see the promise of his coming, and he's referring to the being caught up together with him in the air. You know, I, I would have used the word rapture, but some people will say that's not in the Bible. The concept is, right? The concept is, air conditioners are not in the Bible, but we, we enjoy them, don't we? So rapture's not there. So th this is the first time he really specifically says to the church he's coming. Look at verse 3. If I go to prepare a place for you. Look at that. He's preparing a place for us the bride of Christ. We're going to live in Christ's house. You know, I've done this thing before, you know, during the millennial reign. I've said, man, I'd like to be down here ruling. And all. you know what? I've decided I'd just rather be in the, in the house with Jesus. I'd just rather be in the house with Jesus. He said, verse 3, And I, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, 
you may be also. Now, this is not talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's in the book of Acts. It's not talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's not even really referring to when you die. When you die, you go to be with Him, right? Spirits, your spirit, your soul goes to be with Him. But He said, I will come again. So it's talking about Him coming. Are you ready? Uh, well, are you prepared? He is literally coming. You know, if I were to tell you, hey, listen, I'm going to go to Marble Hill, and I'll be back in about 30 minutes. You would be expecting me literally to come back again. And then if I didn't show up, I'd say, you know, no, I came in spirit. You'd say, what? What do you mean you come in spirit? Well, you didn't come. You, you didn't come. You didn't show up. So Jesus is not talking about in a spiritual way, I'll be with you, right? He said, in a literal fact, he will come again. Now look at Acts chapter 1. I want to show you verse 8 through 11. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. Now, some things in the Bible are to be fulfilled literally, right? Some are not to be fulfilled literally. They, they are in terms of, of allegorical terms, and to illustrate things. But look at this, and you tell me, if this could be allegorical. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I realize, I realize that some of you think that Bullinger County is the center of the earth. It is the center of your world, isn't it? But we are the uttermost parts of the earth. Do you got it? God, it, it happened over there in Jerusalem and Israel. And we, hey, the gospel has come to us. It's come to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then he, he said this, verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, they see him, they looking at him, he was taken up and a cloud, look at a cloud, it received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, they seeing him go up, behold, two men stood on the ground there, or somehow stood before them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, could have been Moses and Elijah, I don't know, which said, also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, hey man, I bet you I would have been gazing too, wouldn't you? I mean, Jesus goes up into heaven in a cloud. He said, notice, notice, here's the last point. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. That's literal, isn't it? That's the only way you can look at that. He hadn't done that yet. It's not been fulfilled yet. It's, it's in the future. It's going to happen. It's going to come. We, there, we can count on that. He said, he said, look at the two men told him, why are saying you here gazing? And you know, by the way, when we think of prophetic events in the end time, we can't just focus on that. Some people just focus on that. We need to be focusing on the labor and the work that needs to be done in the preparation of the Lord coming. But isn't it good to know this truth, friends? He left. He said he'll come again. The same Jesus, not another one. He wouldn't be born again into a mother and then, then come from that. And, and, the, and listen, listen, 
the Antichrist, we don't know how he's going to get here, but Jesus is coming in the air. Bodily, physically, in a cloud. Now, secondly, we want to see pictures of his coming. That's the promise of his coming. Look with me at Genesis chapter 5. We want to see this story of Enoch. Now, some people mistakenly, and I say mistakenly because it's without question, Enoch is not going to come in the second in, in the tribulation period. It, it's definitely going to be Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah met him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And by the way, it wouldn't surprise me if they were not the two men that said, why you stand here gazing up to heaven, he's coming again. Moses and Elijah comes in the tribulation, and they're going to be martyred. They're going to be martyred. Now, you think about the body of Moses was never found, and the body of Elijah went up in a, a, a chariot of fire into heaven. Something unique about the bodies of these two men, well, that's to point out to us. That's to signify to us that they are the two witnesses that come in the mid-tribulation. Now, some Christians believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Some believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. Some believe in a post-tribulation rapture. Well, here's the truth. There's three raptures coming. That's why they're messed up. The rapture of the church is the pre-tribulation rapture. There's no need for you and I to be here during tribulation. He's going to be dealing with the world and their wickedness and with Israel, the bride of the Father. And they're going to be married again, right? For the millennial reign. Jews are going to be, uh, uh, going to be all over the place spreading out in the world during the millennial reign. Yeah. We're going to be taken out before the tribulation. We are. There's no... Hey, listen. If, if, if you were the, uh, the commander of, of a force of army to go into a city and to conquer that city, would you get your wife out before you went in to conquer? Jesus is going to get his bride out before he comes and declares war on this world. He's not going to leave his bride to go through that. Well, what a terrible husband that would be. Right? Okay, so you got free trip rapture. Then you got Moses and Elijah being raptured in the mid-tribulation. So some people mistakenly see the rapture in the middle of the tribulation. Well, they're going to be taken out before it gets too bad. And the reason they're going to go through it, this goes with that philosophy. The reason they're going through it, go through it because, oh, they're not very good. They're bad Christians, so they've got to go through some pain and suffering before they get to go in. Hey, that is a works concept salvation all the way around. That's not the concept of salvation that the Bible teaches, right? How many, how many sinners we got here that saved? Raise your hand, say amen. How many deserves to be saved? Don't raise your hand, all right? Hey, we're all unworthy. The only thing we can do is praise him for making us a part and making us worthy. And then at the end of the tribulation, there is a rapture, and that rapture is for the tribulation saints. If you see that 30 minutes of silence before the actual touchdown of Jesus, I see that the rapture, you notice I said I see, I wouldn't hold you to this, I see that that tribulation rapture takes place and those ones who were martyrs for Christ that would not take the mark are taken up at the end of the tribulation before he comes again. I don't know if they're put together with us. I don't know how that all works out, but they're raptured at the end of the tribulation period. So you got three raptures and you say, Preacher, I'm going to be a part of the rapture at the end. Well, that means you're going through tribulation. That means you better not take the mark. Listen, you can be a believer in the tribulation, and if you take that mark, you're going to hell. 
Okay. All right, so there we are. Enoch, let me get to Enoch. He pictures the, the rapture of the, of the saint, the rapture of the, the Christian. Notice, and Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. <clears throat> That's what we do, isn't it? Right? A Christian walk. He, he doesn't have an Old Testament. Enoch doesn't have the law. Right? Enoch does not have the And you and I, we don't live by the Old Testament. It's written for our learning. But we are New Testament believers, right? Well, we believe in the Old Testament, but we don't live by the Old Testament. We live by the New Testament. Okay? But Enoch walked with God. And that's what we do. After he begat Methuselah 300, year, 300 years and begat sons and daughters. He lived a life walking with God. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. That's how the rapture is going to be. There's going to be a time that we are here. And then we're going to be not here. Why are we going to not be here? Because God takes us. That's the, the thief in the night concept. He comes to the world as a thief in the night and steals us away. Why? Because we're his bride. We're his bride. And he takes us away. You look at the Old Testament. The Old Testament perfect illustration of the bride and the groom. You know, the marriage was uh, uh, set up, right? It was set up beforehand. It was arranged by a servant. The servant is the Holy Spirit. Then the bridegroom, he would come any time without warning, right? And he'd take his bride away. And then they'd have a week, a week off. As a matter of fact, he had the whole week, a whole, whole year off, didn't he? I'm for that. I mean, amen, I'm for that. I'm going to divorce my wife tomorrow and get married on Tuesday, and, and I'm going to get a whole year vacation. I like that. Well, Enoch pictures the rapture being caught away. Being caught up. Caught up. Caught up. Taken. Now, Elijah, I won't turn there, but it's in Second Kings 2.11. He's caught up like it was a fiery chariot in a whirlwind and taken out of their sight, and he, he didn't die. I mean, we didn't see him die. He's just taken. And, of course, he's going to come again, and he is pointed on the man who wants to die. He's going to die in the tribulation. And then we got the picture of Paul when he was, uh, remember when he, uh, he was taken up into the third heaven. I'm going to read that to you. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 to 4, and, and you can shoot it on the screen. It says this, I knew a man, now it's proper, uh, proper in literature at, of the time for you not to speak to yourself because that elevated yourself. So you always talked in the third person and, and that's, that was true. Into when I was a child, he said, I knew a man in Christ. He saw by himself, but not self-elevating. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, whether out of the body, I cannot tell. Sounds like a rapture to me. He said, God knoweth. Such a one caught up, caught up, that's where we get the word rapture, caught up, equals rapture in our, our language, to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up, there's that word rapture again, into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Man, this place he was caught up into is different than our place that we're at. Man, Paul went to heaven, called it paradise. 
We use the word paradise. We talk about something more beautiful and distinct than, than our normal lives, right? He was caught up. Let me ask you something. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Man, don't neglect to be saved. Make that commitment to Christ. If you doubt it, if you're not sure of it, today come to this altar and make that commitment to trust Christ in Him fully. You say, preacher, I'm just not good enough. You'll never be good enough. That's the devil lying to you to get you to go away lost. You come as you are. He'll save you. He'll change you. It's all his work. So that's Paul's example. And then if you look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. If you know anything about the book of Revelation, uh, you got the introduction to the book. Then you got the church age. you got seven churches, which represents seven literal churches. Seven ages of churches from the time of uh, the apostles to now, to where we are. And then in chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. After this, well, that's a big word, these two words. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. <clears throat> Who is called the door? That's right. A door was opened in heaven. He saw up through a door into heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me. What are we listening for? A trumpet to sound, right? It's a voice. Come up hither. Now if you don't hear that, uh-oh. Uh-oh. He said a trumpet talking with me. And, and the symbolic language which said come up hither. And I will show you these things which must be here after Paul. I mean, John is taken up into the future. He goes into the future and looks back over the age that we're in now. He actually goes forward beyond the, the millennial reign of Christ. And he's shown the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, Jesus is coming. That door is the rapture in which we'll go through. We'll go through. Jesus is coming again. Now, what should our attitude be towards this? What should our attitude be? We should be looking forward to it. Now, look at the 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4. 5, 4. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4. And you might, might want to write that down if you can't get there. But he said, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that they should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light and children of the day. Uh, we were not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober. Okay, so I'm teaching you this about the coming of Christ as a thief in the night where we'd be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. We call that a rapture. Hey, we know this. We don't know when. We'll never know when. People have been trying to tell us when the Lord's coming uh, for the last 50 years. or I mean, they did it years ago, hundreds of years ago. They started that. And, and, and they have so much done that that it makes it kind of look bad if you are a prophecy person. And some people are prophecy nuts, right? They, they, they know how everything's going to be. They got it all. You can't do that. We don't know when he's coming. He could come at any moment. That's, that's really what we believe, that he, come, he could come at any moment but we're not in darkness that we don't know that he will not come 
at any moment. He'll come. He'll come. We should be looking for Jesus to come. We should be living for Jesus to come. Philippians chapter 3. I want you to look at chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, for our conversation. There it is on the board there if you want to look at it. He said, for our conversation is in heaven, from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when he says our conversation is in heaven, you know, that's, that's a, a phrase that was used at the time of the writing of the text that people understood, and I think we don't understand. But what he is saying, heaven should be a part of our conversation and our vocabulary, a part of who we are, a part of who we are. He said, for our conversation is in heaven. Are you thinking about heaven? Do you ever think about heaven? You say, preacher, I'm thinking about three rugrats trying to get them raised. I understand. I understand. And you need a rapture someday. Say, man, Lord, take me away. But we need to be thinking about heaven. We need to be imagining things about heaven. It's good to have a good imagination and to dream and to think. Joseph had a good imagination. God gave him a dream, didn't he? And so we need to think and imagine what could be and then make sure that what we think could be is guided by the Word of God. Amen. Yeah. So he says and that, he said, For our conversation is heaven. Uh, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall, what? Change our vile body. Thank you, Jesus. All of our sins are going to be gone, left behind. We're going to get a new body that's not been messed up by us. That you may... that that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Here's the deal. He's able to control everything in the world. The only thing he doesn't choose to control is what you do. You think about that. God allows you to have a free will. You're a saved person. You can choose to serve. You can choose to faith. be faithful. You can choose to be unfaithful. But one of these days, he's going to give us a body that will voluntarily obey the rules. That's about the only time mine's going to do right. How about you? So we're looking forward to that. We expect the Savior to come. We're looking for him to come. Hey, we should be looking forward to him coming. We should be looking forward. If we live or if we die, Jesus is coming. He's coming. Now, we need to start looking at this needs to be a part of our mindset that Jesus could come today. I remember when I, when I got <laughs> I remember when I got right with the Lord, and I had some friends, and I, I was you know I I became a different person before I was a leader to the carousing aspect of life. I wasn't concerned with the rules, but at this time it was 1976, and I'm a little older than the group I'm with, and now I feel like I'm personally responsible for the people I'm with. Lord, that wasn't me as a teenager. Went to, went to a Marshall Tucker Band concert. Man, nothing wrong with Marshall Tucker Band, right? Okay, went to a Marshall Tucker Band. I'm going to tell you, this is a reality. I had just really gotten into Jesus, really good in, in 1975. I really got into Jesus. You know what I mean by that? Jesus meaning it all to me. I'm sitting at Marshall Tucker Band, and here comes that pot passed down. Here comes something else passed down. And, man, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it, and I'm worried about my people I got about six people with me. We're not in a church group. It's not a church. It's just a group of kids that, that I run around with. They mostly all younger now. 
I'm thinking, Jesus, please don't come back right now. You know what I'm saying? It had been fine if he would, but I'm thinking, I don't want to be here at this place with all this going on around me when you come. Now, looking back, I wish he would have come. It wouldn't have been a problem if he did. But there is some reality to what I'm saying. We need to be living in such a way that it wouldn't embarrass us if Jesus came. Right? Right on. Right on, right on, right on. Hey, he's coming. We need to keep in our mind he could come at any moment. We need to be ready for him to come. Being saved is the most important part of being ready, but we need to get some other things in order for him to come. And ready or not, Jesus is coming. He's coming. Is your house in order? Man, I, I, I tell you what, it's never going to be where it needs to be, is it? But he's coming. Paul had spent time with Titus. He prepared him to go to Crete. And uh, he gave him this in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. He said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Thank you, Lord. Some of us are worried about the people that are going to be left behind. Can you leave them in God's hands? They're in God's hands. He said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. God promised us that, that he'd reveal salvation to them. He said, teaching us to deny, to that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should be sober, righteously living, and godly living in this present world. And doing what? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be looking. The blessed hope is the rapture. The glorious appearing is the second coming when he touches down on earth. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to read you verse 16 and 17. He says this, For the Lord himself. Who could that be? Could that be any other? For the Lord himself. That's not me. It's not you. It's the Lord himself, right? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Where is he now? He's in heaven. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout. A trumpet sounding shout. We put that together from other verses. The voice of the archangel. Not Lucifer. One of the others. With the voice of the archangel. With the trump of God. It's not Donald Trump either. Okay. With the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. You know how I have been taught that all my life. You know why they rise first? They got six more feet to go than we do. Okay. All right. Just let that pass you over. Or just hang on to it. If you're a literalist, just hang on to it. (laughs) And the dead in Christ shall rise first. See, in Thessalonica, they were concerned because they had been taught that the Lord's coming and they believed he's going to come at any moment. And people were dying. And they said, what about the people that have died? They're not here. He said, don't worry about that. The dead in Christ shall rise first. You got a loved one? Let me tell you about it. They're not sleeping in the ground. They're not sleeping anywhere. Their body is asleep in the ground. Their body, why is, why is he use the term sleep? Because it's going to be raised. 
Death has the ideal of done, over with, never to be returned. Sleeping has the tendency that it's going to rise up again. Right? You get the difference? The dead in Christ shall rise. Those who have died, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body. Yeah, absent from the body. Right? Got that? Body's not going to heaven with them when they die before the rapture. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Just like in Abraham's bosom, Jesus has a bosom. Where he is, the saints are. They don't have their body yet. They don't have their body yet. They're with the Lord. They're in spirit. Paul told us there in his reference that he couldn't understand if they were physical or spiritual, right? So don't, don't undersell it. It's going to be good just to die and be with Jesus. But he said, I couldn't figure out if it was physical or if it was spiritual, if it was uh, uh, just in, in the physical form or, or was it just in a form of spiritual bodies. That's where the saints of God are. They are in the presence of Jesus. They're not sleeping anywhere. Paul said to be absent from the body. Where would you rather be, Paul? He said, I'd rather be with Christ. Who would rather be not knowing anything than in a place knowing something? Okay, just think about that. Think through that. But when he comes again, the dead in Christ, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then... We which are alive and remain shall be caught up. I forgot the Greek word for that. But there it is in English, caught up. And that's why the people use the word rapture because everybody knows what it means. I don't want to tell you. There's, there's, an, there's another way I could explain rapture, but I'm not going to talk that way publicly. You can ask me after, after church shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Caught up, raptured up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Does the Lord come to the ground then? No, we meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Never, never to be out of His presence again. He's coming. Are you ready? He's coming, ready or not, here he comes. Now, what do we need to do? Let's look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, I want to show you this and we'll close. 1 John chapter 3, verse, verse uh, uh, let's just start at verse, verse 1. We'll, we'll start at verse 1. He said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the, the sons of God. We are called sons of God. Who else was called sons of God? Angels, right? In the Old Testament era, before the, before the flood, the, the, the angels, the sons of God. Yeah, we are now called the sons of God. They, fall, they fell from their position, right? They followed Lucifer, a third of them did. And so now, what a privilege it is, what it says, to be called the sons of God. You become a son of God when you're born of the Spirit of God, when you get saved. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now 
are we the sons of God, verse 2, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. You're looking at me and thinking, boy, he ain't much, and he ain't. But I got a future. And you do too if you know Christ. But we know that when he shall appear, who's the he? Jesus. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a, what a sight that's going to be. Notice what this should do for us. And every man that hath this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. Jesus is pure. We're getting ready for the rapture. We're the bride. I remember when my wife and I got married. She went all the way to Memphis, Tennessee and went shopping for things. I don't know where she bought the dress. I don't know. We went to Memphis, Tennessee and bought a ring. And boy, we just did all kinds of preparation. She did all the preparation. When she'd come out back there with her brother, I said, that ain't my woman. I had to look at her real. She, she looked like some glorious, glamorous Hollywood movie star. And then I woke up the next day with her. Oh. And she was beautiful. You thought I was stupid enough to step into that one, didn't you? I won't tell you any more about that situation. But a bride gets ready. When she loves her husband-to-be, she prepares for it. She cleans up. She made me soak my fingernails. She come, she come over and soaked my fingernails for two hours uh, uh, a couple nights before our wedding. I went out the next, night, next day and got them dirty again. But anyway, preparation, preparation, preparation. That bride gets ready. Now, what? listen, if you're a part of the bride, this is not taught, is it? This is neglected about the church being the bride. We collectively, hey, some of us need to clean up some things in our life. We need to clean them up. We're not going to miss the rapture. We're just not going to be honoring Christ. Now, what if you were to be married and your bride-to-be came just wearing old tennis shoes and, 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 and well, I don't know. I, you know, attitude, don't care. No, that's, that's not the attitude to have a, of a bride. We're looking for Christ Jesus, and we need to be preparing to meet him in there. So what we see, we see the promise of his coming, we saw pictures of his coming, and we saw the fact that we need to prepare. Man, there's a lot of people need to be a part of this that are not a part of this. They're going to miss the rapture, and we need to be witnessing to them. We need to be winning them to Jesus. We need to bring our friends and let them learn and hear and know Jesus. Let's do that. Let's prepare the bride for the coming of the groom, the Lord Jesus. I want to stand. Our musicians come. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Lord Jesus, come quickly was the prayer of the apostles. They wanted him to come quick. We need to be living in such a way that if he came today, he wouldn't disrupt anything important in our life because we're looking him to come now listen today I want you to be saved you say preacher I got baptized when I was a child I don't know that 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 baptism didn't do it 
okay? And that baptism may have just been you getting wet. Have you ever been saved? If you're not, you come today and be saved today. Give your heart to Jesus and trust him. Be saved today. Would you come? Would you come and trust Christ as your Savior? She said, Preacher, I don't know about this. You don't need to know anything but Jesus. You come today. Would you come? We need to be getting ready. Let's sing that out now. prepared? I didn't ask you if you're ready to go tonight, but are you prepared? Are you living for Christ? commitment to follow him this tonight, today, so that I will remember it. But next Sunday night, we have baptism. And I know we have one person to be baptized, and that's Roger back here. I can't never remember Roger's last name. 